Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No. You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society how to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the Shaman School is a school that we all should have been a part of, one that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I have extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And if anyone hasn't told you how much you are loved, you are loved, you are seen, you are valued, and you are understood. And the most important thing is to remember that you are at a very, very interesting time in your evolution. And the graces of love and goodness you must constantly bring into your being because this is the most important time for you to nurture yourself and nurture the people around you and be nurtured by others. 
And that is a quality of your mind being there for your emotions. So when you feel this feeling of insecurity or fear or lack or limitation or hurt or anything of this nature, even if you keep going back to past memories, you want to be able to say with your to that part of yourself out loud, I love you. I know you're afraid. I know you have insecurity. I know you want to keep going back and thinking about the horrible things that happen, but I want you to know that I love you and you don't have to anymore. And that I'm here to embrace you and hear you. If you need to cry, cry with me. If you need to yell, yell. Whatever you need, I'm here to nurture you. And I think that if we start looking at nurturing as a part of our human dynamics on how we operate and structure our lives, we're going to be able to open up a different way in which we connect on a basic and also on a global community level. Because what happens is, is that when we're connecting on a basic level, which the family and friends and the people in our local community, but then it spreads out to the global community by the constant chain reaction of energy, which we call the transfer of frequency, right? The transfer of emotions, the transfer of intellect, the transfer of emotional intelligence through our interactions with each other. So if I'm a person who is operating on this very nurturing level with myself, I'm making sure that I am checking in with my needs. I'm listening to what I need for myself when insecurities and fears or doubts or anything comes in, I immediately come in, not from a place of getting upset with myself or just letting it take over me, but truly coming in and saying, hey, I'm here. I I feel your insecurity. I know you're afraid. I know you don't see the road ahead of you, but I want you to know that I love you and that everything is going to be okay. And if you need to cry, cry. If you need to scream, scream, whatever you need. What do you need right now for me to support you? so that you feel loved and nurtured. And sometimes it might be me saying, I just need to take a bath. I just need to take a bath or I need to go paint or I need to go dance or I need to go play video games or I need to just go write some poetry or I need to go grab a pillow and scream into the pillow and cry. Whatever has... Um, you know, um, come up for me has to be nurtured back into a space of love and, and into a space of healing. And that can only happen when I step forth to myself. But let's look at that a little bit more. When I make that decision to nurture myself, right? Because lots of people are like, what are you talking about? Well, think about it. If you make the decision to nurture yourself on a daily, like you're constantly being aware of when you're slipping into those very dark moments, those places of fear, those places of insecurity, those places of doubt, those places of why aren't things changing? How come things aren't working out? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Those moments right? And you nurture yourself through those moments with the way that I just explained to you, you are going to see amazing changes in your life that when you are interacting with other people, it doesn't matter where you are or what the social setting will be, you will create a different type of transfer of energy. And that's what we have to really be mindful of is how are we transferring energy to our environment, to the people, to the animals, to nature, to um, to the world. And that begins to transfer to a person. And then that person transfers it to another person and another person, another person. And before you know it, you've touched the lives of millions of people without you even knowing it because you haven't seen the occurrence of transfer that is taking place and at what speed it's taking place in for you to do so. So when you 
um, are stepping into a space of really choosing to recognize the power that you actually emit from your being, there comes this greater understanding of responsibility, the responsibility of self, which is held in the foundation of not by, I have to be responsible, but I have a, a choice to show up with love. That is the true responsibility, the ability to show up You've got to show up for yourself first. That is the most paramount thing for you to do in order for you to be able to seek a higher level of experience in this world. If you want to stay in scarcity and lack and fear and all these other things, then that don't show up for yourself. That's the key to constantly spiraling downward. Don't show up for yourself. The more you don't show up for yourself, others can't show up for you or you won't allow others to show up for you and you'll stay in a perpetual state of limbo and disparity that will continue to take you further and further down the scales of human suffering only because you're choosing not to elect the level of showing up with love ability to say i'm going to show up for myself despite what i'm going through despite how much is in my bank account despite who's with me in this relationship despite 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 all these things because these things don't qualify justify or identify who i am in the nature of my being so if i am operating in this lax place, I have to understand that that's because I'm focusing on what I see right now, which isn't actually not real because what I see right now is coming from the past experiences and choices and ideas and conversations and ways I interacted with myself and others. So therefore, this is what I have manifested from that. In order for me to create something new, I have to seek beyond what I am experiencing right now and then create a new understanding of going into the unknown and creating from the unknown space. And what does that mean? That means things that you probably never experienced before. Because a lot of times people create from what they've experienced before because they think that's real. They think that that's some type of place they can tether themselves into and say, well, I have to create from this place because that's something I've experienced. So that that is something I know. And so, you know, they always say, uh, people will say, oh, well, because I want through this or because I want through that, this is the way I am. No. You went through those things. The way you are is because you chose to be that way. You have a choice to be different. I went through abuse. I've been beaten. I've been molested. I've gone through all kinds of things, more things you could probably imagine. You would think, oh, my goodness, my God, Shaman Derek, did you really go through that too? Yes. But the most important thing is that those things do not define the, 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 the consciousness and the awareness of my character. That means that those things do not dictate to me to be as those things were. So if people are angry or did horrible things to me, I don't need to become an angry and horrible person to other people because horrible things were done to me. That means I am basically saying I am allowing my past experiences to give me the identification or the relation that I am to the rest of the world and to myself. I get to choose in independently who I am in every moment. And tomorrow I can choose differently again. That is the great understanding of what it means to be a conscious eternal being is when we recognize that choice is never limited unless we choose it to be. The idea of stepping outside of one paradigm into another only requires you to make a decision to live from the unknown into new possibilities of things you've never experienced before instead of you 
you're dragging the past behind you because it's comfortable because of those things that you have experienced. You think that those things will give you some edge of clarity of wisdom that will bring something new. You cannot bring something new in the door by holding on to something old. You have to make a decision to either let go of one and accept the other or vice versa. You cannot get yourself out of limbo if you do not make a choice. And being a person who has what we call creator clarity, creator clarity means you are clear about your choice. And that doesn't matter if a bunch of people came into the room and said that you're crazy and you're out of your mind and it's never going to work. It's not going to happen. And what kind of person do you think you are? And all the things that they can try to tell you, none of those things should be fixated upon your mind from yourself. Meaning what? Meaning that you should be so clear within your own being of yourself, knowing without having to uh, argue or to reaffirm, but knowing in the core of your being who and what you are, that none of those things said or um, exaggerated could have an effect on you because you know the truth. Now, the reason why human beings suffer so much on the planet is because they don't know themselves. They don't understand themselves. They're constantly shifting themselves as according to what expectation, people-pleasing, or idea that someone may have or some emotion that they may want to experience. So they have an agenda in order to seek for that experience, even in the act of self-betrayal. That does not support humanity. It does not support evolution. It does not give us a a step up in the ladder of consciousness and emotional intelligence because it limits us from seeing the perspective of grace within ourselves first before we can truly accept it from other people. So therefore, we will only create the same thing that caused us pain to show up in a different body and in a different way, but the same person, same situation, same scenario. And you will not be able to get away from it until you actually transmute it by going into the unknown, creating something you've never experienced before and being excited about its um, its manifestation you created and then aligning yourself to that manifestation. So the energy of alignment, what is that? The energy of alignment means that you are set in and all levels of your being in alignment to that which is um, showing itself or proposing itself, you're aligning to it on all of your being. Your your core energy is what I call your core entries, right? It's the part of you that's saying, I'm aligning to this. So when I say I manifested it, now I'm aligning myself to receive it. So aligning yourself to receive something is letting go of any part of you that believes that by receiving it's going to be taken or to receive um, anything, it's not going to happen because it didn't happen before. That means you're still going in the past. You're still seeking for past value validation and you're still seeking the past to to identify your every now movement experience that leads into your future experiences as well. So the energy of discourse and, and displacement begins the moment you begin to see it in that way. Just like when you speak about money and you speak about all these different things, people will say, oh, you know, I spend so much money. You don't spend so much money. You circulate currency. 
You have to see it as a circulation, a recycling, because then it comes back to you. If you say, I spend money, you're just giving, you know, you're not creating a way in your consciousness to see the constant spiral of energy returning back to you. This beautiful, wonderful network of energy that wants to give back to you as you give to others and as you receive, they receive and so forth. And it becomes this wonderful, um, you know, beautiful space where we're all gifting each other and receiving from each other the beautiful graces that we so deserve versus putting ourselves into situations where there's lack, limitation and scarcity. So we hoard, we go into fear and then we get angry and we go into all of these different things of looking for someone to blame instead of realizing that we're the one creating it because we're operating out of this place of fear instead of operating out of this place of knowing. And the knowing, ooh, the knowing. To know, to know, to know, to know, to know, to know, to know. It's the knowing. It's the knowing. It's the knowing. Knowing in the understanding is the claiming and understanding of clarity consciousness. It means that you are completely aware of the situation, of the energy, of whatever it may be. And you know it so clearly because you've accepted it without any fear or any hesitation or any reservation. And therefore it manifests in the most beautiful way. So we have the opportunity to step into that space. But in order to do that again, as I said in the beginning of this talk, my loves, we have to understand the qualities and the profound nature and potency of self-nurturing and nurturing others. The nurturing quality is one of the most, and when I say most, I mean most to the most, ways in which to shift frequency and the most timely manner to be able to shift frequency it's at multiple speeds of frequency that are operating so that you are able to create and to sustain yourself in the vibrational energy fields of that that bring you into a space of having what you need having the things being created for you because you are now removing the energy gates that have been protecting you from yourself which we call darkness people don't realize that resistance only exists on this planet for one important reason and that is to help us take time to learn how to be a better creator we can't create just for the sake of creating without having an intention and heart true desire that not only supports us but supports everyone around us this global union of of understanding what it means to be that level of creation has to be in its most profound nature and that means what that means that you're all operating in the awareness that everyone deserves to have and experience a plentiful, abundant, prosperous, loving, supportive, nurturing, playful, elated life. That gives you the ability to shift the narrative in any time. And that comes from when you nurture, because when you nurture, your being begins to develop this level of understanding of nurturing and then begins to open up a wellspring for you to be able to provide that and create that in, in all that you do. So we are stepping into a new horizon of thought a new horizon of emotion and a new horizon of spirit. And those horizons can only be experienced, felt, touched, and, and understood when we surrender ourselves from the old paradigm. That means we do not think about it anymore.
and we come into a rising paradigm, which is knowing that we can only create and manifest from the place of the unknown without needing proof, idea, or some form of emotional attachment to something of the past that we feel we know and therefore create from that space. Remember, spirit never creates it um just because you say an affirmation or you do any of these things it creates from the awareness of where you sit in your consciousness the consciousness is that space where it is being held for you by other beings so that you can expand within it into a certain level where you feel comfortable. And then the more you expand, the more comfortable and so forth and so on. And it begins to become this beautiful um, energy that passes through all particle substances and frequencies to bring in the highest source of energy and frequency so that you can carry out what you need to carry out in the most eloquent way. This is what it means to truly step into that level of evolution, involvement, and power. And I love you so much. And I know that you've got everything it takes to be a rock star. Love you. Now go out there and slay, baby. Hey, Tribe. So the Tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the Tribe. You can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the Tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Swimming and swirly Sundays. Thanks for the pot and Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. Hey Tribe, have you ever wondered when you get nervous and you feel those butterflies around in your stomach? Or when you eat something and you get like crampy or bloated? Did you know that your brain and your gut are connected? and that your gut has its own nervous system and that leading causes to depression, mental health decline, anxiety, and so forth has now been found that it comes from your gut and not just your brain. And that's really important when it comes to this knowing of how your body operates. Because unlike the brain, the entric nervous system is not necessarily capable of doing the math equations like writing a book report or having its mind of its own. The entric nervous system controls the body autonomic responses to digestion. 
It releases the digestive enzymes necessary to break down food and control swallowing and blood flow. So our gut health is so important because it really is connected to our brain and how we are able to function in the world. When you have an imbalance of healthy probiotics inside of your system, you are literally creating a cesspool of toxins, bacteria, and viruses that can actually affect your immune system and create high levels of free radical in your system, increase your acid, and cause all types of situations such as irritable bowel syndrome, and um, all kinds of constipation, diarrhea, bloating, pain, stomach upset, and even cause you to gain weight. And that's a problem. And one of the reasons why I think it's important and why I'm sharing all of this with you is because I found that really supports um, being able to help your gut and be able to fix the irritable bowel syndrome and get rid of that bloating and that cramping. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you because I know that this is going to be the thing that you've been looking for. It's RS Coso. And RS Coso is a fermented superfood. It is a 100% natural supplement on the market that provides balanced nutrition combining probiotics and prebiotics and postbiotics and enzymes which are to improve your gut health. And if a lot of people don't know about postbiotics, but postbiotics support your immune system. They help prevent and treat diarrhea, reduce symptoms associated with irritable bowel syndromes, diseases, and reduce severities of certain allergies in your system. Not only that, but postbiotics are also generally safe and well-tolerated in the body. So your body actually absorbs it in a way that supports good health and a functioning body for your microbiome. And that's important to keep your brain and your health intact because mental health is on the decline because a lot of people don't know about what is necessary for them to put in their system to fix their gut health so that their brain and their gut are functioning in a beautiful way. So I totally am so excited to share with you RS Coso so that you can increase your postbiotics in your body, boost your immune system, get rid of those irritable bowel syndromes, the cramping, the bloating, and live a healthier and more fulfilled life. So tribe, please, for the sake of your health, go check out RS Coso. You can go to RSCOSO, that's R-S-K-O-S-O dot com. And use the code SHAMAN10 to receive 10% off. And send me a message on Instagram or TikTok and let me know how you feel about your health after checking out and drinking RSCOSO. Love you. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I am so happy to have my brother, Dave Asprey, back in the studio with us to share with us information about how we are going to take our health to the next level. For those of you who don't know who Dave Asprey is, which you should, but if you don't, he's the founder and chairman of Bulletproof, and he is a four-time New York Times bestseller science author, host of Top 100 Podcast Bulletproof Radio, and has been featured on Today's Show, CNN, The New York Times, and Dr. Oz, and more. And there's so many acquisitions that go along with who this man is and what he has done to achieve where he is and the people he's helped along the way. I'm going to go right into introducing him into today's share. Welcome, Dave. It's a pleasure to have you again, bro. Shaman Durek, it's so good to get a chance to see you. 
it is definitely. I definitely miss our times together. Um, but I'm really happy that we're here to talk about some potent things that I think is going to really support people and really making changes in their life. But before, for those of people who are not aware of the amazing man that you are, I would like to go into at what point did you decide to upgrade your life and step into who you are and what you're doing? Well, I, I hit 300 pounds when I was about 22. And I thought, man, I've got to do something about this. I've already had two knee surgeries. They say I have arthritis. Uh, I'm fat. I don't feel that good. I'm just going to exercise. So I exercised six days a week, an hour and a half a day. And at the end of that time, 18 months of just didn't matter if I was sick, if I had final exams, I was going to exercise. And I did. I still had a 46 inch waist and I was still fat. And I looked around one day and my friends were eating double Western bacon, cheeseburgers and French fries. And I'm having the chicken salad with no chicken and no dressing. And I thought, wait a minute, I exercise more than all my friends combined. <laughs> and Maybe that's why I didn't have that many friends. I don't know. Uh, and I also, <laughs> I had plenty of friends. Uh, I also though, uh, I ate less than all of them and I was bigger than they were. And, and it, I just realized it's not me. Like what I'm doing doesn't work. And, and I had the sense of like injustice and that it's not fair. And I resolved that I was going to do what worked and I was going to measure what worked. And I started trying different things. And um, I realized most of the advice that you read in magazines is wrong. And I had been doing things completely backwards. The low fat, low calorie diet I was on was making me weak. I eventually came up with the Bulletproof Diet, which has helped people lose more than a million pounds. It's pushing almost half a million copies sold globally. And for 10 years, it's been a leading book that incorporates intermittent fasting, lectins and things people don't know about, other things that are inhibiting how we feel as human beings. And now I've spent more than a million dollars on upgrading my biology. I run a stable of companies. Bulletproof is one of my companies. I'm CEO of Upgrade Labs now. And the mission of all of my companies is to upgrade humanity. We can actually do better now because we know more and we change the world around us to make it healthier, to make us healthier. And we change ourselves at the same time. I 100% agree with that. And um, I love um, all the things that you've put out there. It's really nice to always hear when people say their life was changed because they've read your books and got into the information that you share. You are a plethora of information. And I can definitely say that um, I've learned a lot um, from you about different things when it comes to living my life and living healthy. And I love your products. I love everything that you do. You know, I want to ask you when it comes to health and wellness and what do you think the health and wellness world is missing as acquiring to what's happening um, in people's lives? We've lost the most important thing, which is how you feel matters most. So we have all these people saying, oh, you should go uh, make a building that uses the least possible electricity. But if everyone in the building is uncomfortable and there's mold growing on the walls, you kind of did that wrong. And, and we're doing the same thing in our food supply. We're saying, oh, uh, that's, uh, that's plant-based. Okay, well, which plants was it based on? Because some plants are better for people than others, right? And so we've, we've gone through these trends. First, it was low fat in the 70s. Then it was high fiber, low fat in the 80s. And then it was don't eat any saturated fat, even though we're made out of it. Uh, and, and we went through all these trends and each of the trends was designed to make us buy cheap stuff and believe it was healthy. And right now you can take something that's made out of corn syrup and bark 
and put a label on it that says plant-based. And there's a section of people who will truly eat it and believe that they're doing a good thing for their health. And they're not. But there's other plant-based products that could be good for them. So we, we've simplified to the point of absurdity. And that's the big challenge. How you feel after you eat is most important. If you are hungry within four hours of a meal, you ate wrong and you need to do something different. Now, you've written a lot of books and you have a new book that's out. Can you tell us more about that? Uh, you'll like this one. Uh, it's called Fast This Way. And this tells the story of how I first started fasting and all the benefits of it. My publisher came to me and said, you should write a book on intermittent fasting. I said, I did. I wrote it 10 years ago. <laughs> it started to kick off some of this fasting revolution. And they said, no, the world needs another book. And I said, okay, it's easy. Step one, don't eat for a while. Step two, here's some studies that say it's good for you. I don't want to write that book. It's been done. But it turns out at least 50% of learning how to intermittent fast is psychological and spiritual. When I first learned to fast, I was convinced that if I didn't eat six meals a day, I would go into starvation mode and I'd get fat. And of course, starvation mode equals death. So there was a fear. And I also knew that I would get hypoglybitchy. Hypoglybitchy, I love this. <laughs> and I, seriously, if I didn't eat, I would yell at people. I was, a, I was a jerk. And I didn't want to do that. So I hired a shaman. Uh, I didn't know you at the time or I'd probably ask you for it. And she drove me into the desert outside Sedona, put me in a cave all by myself. So then I could yell at the walls if I got hypoglybitchy and I would have no food to tempt me. And for four days, I fasted in a cave. And I talk about the psychology of fasting in the book. And I talk about the physiology, how to do it. There's a chapter how, for women on how it's different. But the real important thing is there's a spiritual fast which I know that you've done. And then there's a working fast and you can fast to perform better. And you can fast to connect with the earth and with God and with all of the things that you'd want to connect with, depending on your faith and your lineage. So which is it? Well, if you try to do a spiritual fast on a work day, you're not going to get good results. And if you're trying to do a working fast on a spiritual day, you're not going to get spiritual progress. So the idea is how do we divide this so you know how to safely fast? And today at Derek. 70,000 people have done the fasting training, which is free, that's based on the book. You go to fastthisway.com, you sign up, and there's a two-week thing world. Okay, here's how you fast this way. Here's how you fast that way. Number one thing in the book, there is no correct length of fast for any one person. Because if you're jet lagged and you worked out heavy yesterday, don't fast today. It's a bad idea, right? So the length of the fast depends on how are you doing, and it's okay to vary it up, just like it's okay to, to change what you eat based on how hungry you are, based on what you're doing. And it is to relax the rigid rules around fasting, but to know going at least 12 hours, at least some days every week without food will make you live longer and feel better. Yeah, I 100% I agree. And I definitely know that from my own personal experience. I'm an Omater. I have been an Omater for quite some time. And it's definitely helped me to maintain the, my body um, the way I am. I'm much more stronger. I have uh, tons of energy. I'm a, I'm a fire powerhouse person. And, you know, when I eat too much food, I can tell when my body is like, why have you eaten that much food? <laughs> right. and even, in, even in the Omad, I, I, I I have to like kind of pull it back a little bit because even I start feeling any form of tiredness or where I feel like I have to take a nap or I feel heavy or any of these things, I know it's because my body is having too much to digest. Do you feel like where we are today, as we look at society, we look at 
obesity. We look at um, a lot of health issues that people have and their systems from diabetes to you name it. Do you feel like the the world that we live in set it up this way to eat three meals a day and, you know, and just pile on the food as much as you can is actually a way that they can suppress humanity from being able to see the potential? And what are your thoughts about that? I don't think that eating three meals a day came from a desire, even some occult desire to suppress humanity. Um, it came about, as far as I understand, and I, I write about this in the early part of Fast This Way, is that, look, we needed to have people work in factories. And in early factories were not nice places. You didn't get a bathroom break <laughs> and you didn't get a lunch break. So people are working these, these long meals or these long days and they'd eat a breakfast because you had to eat something and then they might work for 10 or 12 hours and then come out they're exhausted and eat dinner. And eventually they started fighting. Well, we should get a lunch in the middle of the day, but we had to line it up. And it's the logical equivalent of, look, you fill up your car with gas every Thursday. It doesn't matter if you're out of gas. It doesn't matter if the tank is full. You go in there and you get 10 gallons of gas. And if it pumps out on the ground, too bad, right? It doesn't make any sense, but that's what we do for big companies. What I do think is part of the suppression of our consciousness is swapping out saturated fats, which have always been a part of our diet, an important part of our diet for these corn oil, soybean oil, canola oil, these unnatural omega-6 fats that we've been sold as healthy. They're good for big food and they're bad for humans. And if we get rid of those, our ability to handle carbohydrates like sugar actually goes up. I mean, if you watch a video from the 1970s, just any movie, they'll do a scene of people walking down the street. They don't have the puffy faces I had as a kid. They don't have the triple ripple on their stomach that I had as a kid. They're mostly lean, but they aren't, you know, walls of muscle like you're going to see Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, or any of the, you know, the Avengers. Um, But that's not a normal look for humans anyway. We've lost that as a species. It's omega-6 oils. And not only do they make us weak energetically, they make your brain dysfunctional. And I've written a whole book about brains before Fast This Way that was a monthly bestseller on, on the science list for the New York Times. I know this to be true because it's backed by thousands of studies. You stop eating the bad oils, go back to the oils from Mother Nature, our ancestral diet. Your brain works better. You have more energy. You don't get diabetes. But timing matters, but I don't think timing was, you know, part of the evil. The evil was chemicals and bad fats. Brilliantly said, Dave. Um, When it comes to fasting, would you see fasting as a biohack and how can you release the negative connotations that come with the word fasting? Like, what are your thoughts on it where it's about transformative, you know, transformative um, energy? Fasting is about changing the environment, or sorry, not fasting, biohacking is about changing the environment around you and inside of you so you have control of your own biology. And fasting is the highest return on investment biohack. You think about it, let's see. I didn't have to buy breakfast and it didn't take me any time or energy to make breakfast. I win, (laughs) especially if you have more energy and more focus instead of less. And most of us, if you're like I was when I was 300 pounds, like I'm going to die by 10 a.m. I will I will just fall to the ground. Uh, it, it's not going to work. So then I said, what do we know about biohacking? What do you know about our human physiology? So that on the first day someone does a fast, they'll get the benefits of the fast, but they won't fall down at 10 a.m. In fact, they won't even want a bagel at 10 a.m. And that was the other reason that I wrote Fast This Way was to be able to teach people to experience that. Because the way we evolved 
Shaman Durek, is that two billion years ago, the parts of us that became our power plants and our environmental sensors, these mitochondria, right around the middle of the day, they were getting bright sunlight and all the algae was present because the algae had enough time to grow in the sunlight. And then these little bacteria go around and gobble them up. And so there's tons of food between, oh, noon and two. And then the light starts getting dimmer. Sunset starts to come. The angle of light goes down and it gets a little bit cooler and there's less and less food available. <laughs> so we're still stuck to those ancient timing cycles. And there's a chapter in Fastest Way around connecting light and food so you can become a morning person if you're not a morning person. I am a stay up till 2 a.m. In fact, 2.04 a.m. was my average bedtime for more than 10 years. I just naturally do that. I've done it since I was 10 years old. Now, because of that knowledge of changing a meal time and changing light exposure, I wake up at 6 to 6.30 every morning without an alarm so I can drop my kids off at school without suffering. And it's because of connecting those two. So for you and me, especially if I'm in an OMAD phase where I'm just eating one meal a day, I'm going to eat that meal at 2 p.m. and I sleep better and I feel better. If I eat that meal at 9 p.m., it jacks me up. It, it doesn't work. I mean, you're, you know this to be true because you live it, right? But here's the difference you can do OMAD pretty much all the time. If I do it for five days, I'm like, I feel so good. The sixth day, I actually don't get as good as sleep and I start seeing my sleep scores decline. So what that means is that I usually do three or four days of one meal a day and then I'll do two meals a day for a couple of days and I'll go back to one meal a day because that's what my body likes, right? And we all have our own settings for what works really well. And it also depends what I eat. Right. I could eat, you know, a pound of cheese. <laughs> That's probably not going to end well. Right. And, but I'd rather eat that than a bowl of raisin bran, which is really going to end poorly. Right. So it, it's, you know, what did you eat for one meal a day? Was it healthy? Was it fulfilling? Was it nourishing? Was it from a clean source on the planet? You know, what, how did it feel? All of that is part of fasting. It's just what we don't talk about. Do you feel that a lot of people um, do go into the whole fasting in the wrong way and that your book will be able to help them to be able to figure out like what will be the best fast for them based on? Yeah, it's, it's a really it's a fantastic question because you can go into fasting and say, I'm going to do a rigid thing. And I'm going to do the same thing every day. And there's a trap and, and it's a human nature trap. There's an exercise trap. There's a vegan trap and there is a keto trap and there's a fasting trap. And they all come from the same thing. If something is good, more of it must be better. <laughs> so when I over-exercised, as I described earlier, I didn't lose weight because my cortisol went up and I was eating the wrong foods and I was overstressed. I was overtraining, right? So these, you know, I'm going to, for 60 days, I'm going to exercise for this huge amount of time. No, it, it's actually going to harm you. And then you say, okay, I was a vegan for a long time and it didn't work after a certain point. I realized I, my health was declining, but I felt great at first. So I'll tell them, yeah, be, be vegan for a period of time, but maybe for you, it's not going to work forever, right? And maybe if you do it too long, it's not going to, to, to work. So maybe cycles or wait, you mean the moon is a cycle? You mean like there's, there's annual cycles or seasons? We're cyclical creatures and it's normal for us in winter to not have kale and fresh vegetables because they don't live like it's, everything is frozen over. So during that time, is it possible we should be eating differently than we would when fruit is ripe in the summer? Well, all of that's real. So it's okay to switch things up. And um, what I find with fasting is that people over fast. And here's a typical example, and it hits men and women differently. Um, 
they'll say, hmm, I feel so good when I fast five days a week for 14 hours. I think I'll do 16 hours, six days a week. And oh, I'll just do OMAD five days a week and then I won't eat it all on the weekend, right? And, and at a certain point, like um, you might be pushing this thing called starvation or malnourishment, but you know it makes you feel better. And here's the trap. For women, it hits in about four weeks if you're over fasting consistently. In men, it's usually six weeks. There's a bit of a delay. In, in women, it's, hmm, I go to sleep and I wake up and I feel like I didn't sleep. And I don't know why, but I, I just, my dreams are, are going away and just, oh, I, I don't feel the same. I'm probably not fasting enough. So then you start fasting even more, right? And then you end up another couple weeks later. That's weird. My monthly hormonal cycle isn't working as well as it normally did. And if you keep over fasting, because clearly fasting works, it makes you feel better. Then um, my hair is getting thin. And like, oh, that didn't work. And so then you look at guys. Okay, with guys, when we overfast. Okay, my sleep quality went away just like it did with women, but maybe it took us six weeks. Go, well, I'm going to fast even more, right? And then you start waking up without a kickstand. And then you keep doing it, and then you start getting thinning of hair. And hair thinning happens in men and women because of excess cortisol because the body's saying, here's a stress signal for you. You're actually not getting enough energy consistently. And what we want to do, unless you're trying to lose weight, is you want to go through periods where there's no energy and then periods where there's enough energy, right? And if you consistently send a signal that there's a famine happening right now because you never get enough food, the body will respond like it's a famine and it'll shut down non-core non systems for survival and that's not healthy. So the other reason to write the book was to stop over fasting and to help people know how to fast without pain and suffering so that they can get all the benefits which are free. Well, I can definitely say that I just learned something there because I have had those experiences. And um, it's interesting because I had said one morning I was meditating and, and the spirit said to me, you need to go off and on. You need to go OMOD and then do intermittent fasting because your energy, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, why do I feel like I haven't even slept? You know? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's been very interesting and that's very valid information. I would say for me, definitely I needed to hear that because then that's good. So that's perhaps I will modify my OMOD a little bit more than the way it has been because there's days where I wake up and I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. Like I slept all night, you know, and I'm still exhausted. But then I push through it anyway because I'm a powerhouse and I don't like this out. I'm like, I'm a firecracker this out. You, so You have a disadvantage, Shaman Durek, and I can say this because I know you. You can bring in energy in ways that most people can't, right? And also cortisol and adrenaline are the hormones the body makes when you're over fasting because cortisol and adrenaline will liberate glucose from your tissues. They'll force your blood sugar levels up by breaking down protein. Now, Cortisol and adrenaline, people say, but cortisol is the death hormone. No, cortisol is an anti-inflammatory hormone and it feels great to have a burst of cortisol and adrenaline. That's like, yeah, I'm going to go get it. Okay, so you already know how to bring in energy and how to channel it up from the earth and from the sky and all the, who knows what dimensions you bring it in from, but like you've got your shaman powers. I respect those. Um, and then your body says, how about some cortisol, baby? And you're like, yeah, and it feels good. Right. And, and that, that's a really hard nuance because it's a physiology feeling good. Like, yeah, I'm dialed in. My brain's working. Right? It's just you, you got to modulate that. And when you're finding those sleep things the next day, don't just have uh, your OMAD, you know, have lunch and dinner. 
but have some carbs. And that usually helps. And, and that can be resistant starch. Uh, it can be some rice, but it shouldn't be a low carb day on that day. You don't have to be keto and fasting all the time either. <laughs> you know me so well. I'm like, carbs, carbs. <laughs> like, have the sweet potatoes and enjoy them. And it'll and you'll sleep like a baby that oh night. Oh my God, I love come you. Back. You know me so well. I love it. So how does fasting impact your mental health? Being that right now in the world, we've got a lot of people right now who are going through a lot of mental health issues. What are your thoughts on that, Dave? There are two sources, or actually, there are two commonly recognized sources of anxiety. And then there's some other shaman level sources of anxiety that are more spiritual, but we'll exclude those from the conversation right now. One type of anxiety is physiology. It's in your body. And this comes from inside your cells. And that can be, I'm getting sick. That can be, I don't have enough energy. That can be, I worked out really hard. I didn't sleep right, you know, whatever. Um, And those are, or even it's too cold. Like I didn't get to be warm today. All right. All of those are, are real. It's just loud. There's a jackhammer all day, every day. That's a source of anxiety and stress. Okay. So not having peace in your body and in the world around you. And there's another source of stress, uh, which is from the monkey mind, from your ego, from what you're, so I'm thinking about this. I watched the news. I believed this lens on reality that doesn't even, isn't even real. I look at what I see on Telegram, which is an uncensored platform, which means you get conspiracy stuff, <laughs> but you also get like real data. And then I look at what I see on Instagram. These are not an overlapping reality. Like, like they really aren't. And I don't think either one of them is a reflection of the actual reality around us. Although lately, I'd say because of censorship, Telegram is more accurate if you throw away some of the weird stuff on there. And so I use both platforms, but what I say on them is radically different because they will shut down my account if I say some of the things that are data driven. So if in your mind, you're sucking your data about the world around you from a bad source, your thoughts will be there. And some of the thoughts are, I'm going to die. The world is ending. Hmm. The majority of the thoughts, though, are Shaman Dirk is judging me right now. Like he, 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 th- he thinks one of my eyes is bigger than the other. He thinks I'm not good enough or whatever the heck people think, right? I don't have those voices in my head because I did enough neurofeedback and fasting in caves that I, I finally just dealt with the, my inner bitch. Uh, but I will, uh, I will tell you that that anxiety <laughs> from I'm hungry, therefore I'm going to die. What I mentioned earlier, if you don't eat six times a day, you will go into starvation mode. Well, starvation mode means death. So a feeling of hunger for most of us is I am not loved. I am alone. There is no food here. I am going to die. And the feeling is real, even though the story behind that, we don't believe that because we're rational beings. But if you have a feeling that hunger equals death, well, what fasting does is it teaches your body, oh, I guess I didn't die. And it is so liberating the first time that you're saying, okay, I'm going to go 24 hours without food. And, and I've seen hundreds and hundreds of comments from people who've done this in the fasting challenge. They'll literally say, I was at work and someone brought in the box of donuts and I didn't want one. Okay, it's the and I didn't want one. It's different when you say, okay, I'm going to die if I need a donut. I'm starving, but I'm going to power through it. Yeah, courage. And it's another thing where you go, God, I'm just too, I, I know I didn't need breakfast. I just don't really need a donut. I'm going to go do something. And, and it's a feeling of peace. 
it's the feeling of peace that turns off anxiety. And it's from teaching not your mind, but teaching your body that it is safe to go without calories every four hours. Yeah, I, I can definitely believe that 100%. From, from my perspective as a shaman and understanding how the body communicates and how we communicate to the body for sure. I wanted to ask you on how can fasting help you discover complexities that exist within yourself and your mind? Uh, this is cool. So there's working fasts, which is the you know, kind of Monday through Friday. How do I have my brain dialed in? How do I feel great? Like I just, I just ran the biohacking conference where you'll be speaking next year. You couldn't make it this year. We had almost 3000 people, three days. And I'm on stage for hours. It was 18 hour days. You know, I'm, I'm the lead guy there. I was fasting until 2 p.m. every day because I just didn't want to use my energy digesting when I wanted to use my energy for my community, right? I actually chose not to do it during the highest intensity days. Okay, that's awesome. Now, your question though is what about the other days? What about the weekend? What about when you want to see what's going on in, in, in your head? This is what I call in the book a spiritual fast. And uh, when people do the fasting challenge, fastthisway.com is where you sign up for it. The final one or two days of that is a spiritual fast. And this is when in all traditions that I'm aware of, you rest and reflect. This is not a day where you lift heavy while fasted, which has its own pros and cons. It's a day where you wake up and you get out your journal and maybe you sip some tea. Um, you, you, you light a candle, incense, go for a walk in the forest, uh, get naked and tan parts of your body you don't normally tan. Whatever your spiritual practice is, I don't, I don't care what it is. Only that you have one and you follow it with intent. And then you experience the hunger and you say, huh. What is the nature of that hunger? Where is it from? Why is it there? Is it real? Right? And what you realize is that a lot of the hunger that you have may not be for food, but the body has learned that a hunger for connection is something that you can fit, you can fill it with ice cream. Right? You will see that <laughs> if you practice that. What flavor of ice cream makes you most connected, Shaman Derek? Well, um, I like Neapolitan ice cream. There you go, see? <laughs> It's uh, it's one of those things where where I can say this, and you know, we can talk about this, but most people listening are going to go seriously. That is such mush, mushy BS. I, I just don't believe it. Okay, I'm an engineer. I'm a computer science guy. I, I didn't I didn't grow up with spiritual beliefs uh, or or religious beliefs. I believe these to be true because I have studied meditation with masters in Tibet in Lao Tzu's oral tradition coming out of China. I've done my shamanic work in South America uh, and I have a neurofeedback institute that puts you in weird places called 40 Years of Zen. So this is direct experience, what I'm saying, and it is real. And, it, and so if it sounds soft and mushy and, oh, you need ice cream or, you know, whatever, because your body doesn't feel loved. I didn't say you don't feel loved. I said your body doesn't feel loved. It has its own awareness and that's getting in your way because you believe what it tells you. And fasting, when you're doing a spiritual fast, it serves to teach you when your body is telling you the truth and when your body is feeling fear that is not your fear. Let's talk about that body awareness because a lot of times I feel like people don't understand that your body has its own awareness. People actually think that it's their brain or, um, you know, that's actually affecting their body or making the choices. Um, would you share more about that, Dave, about the body has its own awareness? Yeah. 
the body is made of uh, quadrillions of little ancient sensors that run an operating system. And it has to be able to react faster than you can think. And this is why if you lean on a hot stove accidentally, you'll pull your hand away. And you'll think to yourself, good thing I pulled my hand away before I got burned. You didn't pull your hand away. Something else pulled your hand away and then you felt the heat, right? Well, what pulled your hand away? Well, what pulled your hand away is body awareness. And it doesn't just have awareness, it takes action. And at 40 years of Zen, we can measure something, which is how much time happens between an event and your conscious awareness of the event before it even hits your brain. And it turns out that that number for most people is around 240 milliseconds. And the number gets longer as you age. So if you age like a normal person, eventually about a third of a second goes by in reality before you know about it. Well, what's going on during that third of a second? Bodily awareness. So the body picks it up. The body decides in your gut, in your heart, in your throat. That's why we talk about those things <laughs> so much in our, in our art, in our songs. I felt it in my gut. There was prickling on my neck. These are bodily awareness sensations that we know. And then once it hits us, we make up a story about why we feel that way and we believe the story to be true. And this is a direct reflection of reality. So believing less of your own story is a major part of that. But if you disbelieve everything your body says, which was my practice as, as a young man, because like, there's no, it's, it's all just annoying down there. Why would I pay attention to all that? Then you miss out on a major source of intuition. So as we develop wisdom, it's how do I know that that feeling in my gut was a warning Versus an untrue signal based on the fact that I had too much kale for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's, that's what we can do. And I find that biofeedback, neurofeedback, breathing practices, meditation practices, fasting practices, all of those make us more aware of our body so that we can then take in those subtle signals from the world, the ones that you're a professional at because you're a shaman uh, versus just having really strong intuition for someone. And that is something that is trainable. And a lot of that is body awareness, subtracting out the body anxiety and changing how and when and what you eat so that you feel less body anxiety. With everything that's happening in the world today, Dave, we have a lot of people who are walking around who are constantly proliferating their minds with media and other people's stories of fear about what's happening in the world. Do you feel that fasting can help reduce fear and get people back to their center and their equilibrium? I believe anything that fixes your metabolism so you can make more energy makes you a calmer, more peaceful, kinder person. When people have full power, And power comes from 30 pounds of air and some amount of energy that you ate or that you had stored in your body. So whatever was on your plate and whatever you breathed. Well, if you can make the maximum amount of energy possible because your system is running really, really well, then you have enough energy to evolve yourself, to capture your fear response and to choose to act with integrity. And if you're running with a metabolism that can barely make energy, whether it's because you didn't sleep or you ate a bunch of junk food or you ate 25 times a day, whatever the thing is, you simply had less net available energy to show up as the person you want to be. 
and I know this through my own path of, of being able to do the things that I do with the number of companies in my portfolio, to be a father of, of two kids, to be a husband, an author, a podcaster. This is an absurd load, except it doesn't feel like a load because my metabolism works really, really well. And I can make energy in ways I never dreamed of as a young man. And I know that people listening to this, when they fix their metabolism, they have the ability to show courage and they have the ability to look at a fearful headline uh, from some news story and go, that actually smells exactly like BS. And I, I had the energy to think about it instead of just to react to it. It is an energetic equation and we owe it to ourselves to have a healthy metabolism. So let's kick breakfast. It's not that hard. Right. So do you feel like a lot of people who don't skip prefix that they're um, having difficult times in handling emotional stress and, yeah. and trauma? You know, brain fog is such a thing. I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome in my mid-20s. I had serious brain fog. And what happens before you get full-on brain fog is we'll call it a brownout in the brain. You just can't make enough energy. So something stressful happens in the world, whether it's a headline or someone says something mean or whatever else it is. Uh, and then you you want to be able to to process that and then think about it and then decide what you're going to do. But you just didn't have enough power. Your batteries were dim. So instead of going into the thinking part of your brain, which doesn't really have power right then, it goes into the feeling and reacting part of your brain. It's an amygdala response. And then you snap at your family or your kids or your coworkers, right? You respond to the media and you go, oh, we're all going to die. I better do what I'm programmed to do. And, and all those things... And it's unnecessary. And that's why fasting is so powerful because it will teach your body to be able to sustain a charge in your cells for longer, which gives you the mental capacity in order to step out of the emotional response and step into the wise human response that we're all capable of. I'd like to see more of that on planet Earth. Definitely. Heck yeah. Let's talk, let's talk flexibility. All right. How do you achieve metabolic flexibility? Well, metabolic flexibility doesn't come from never eating much protein. It doesn't come from fasting all the time. Uh, and it doesn't come from being in ketosis all the time. It comes from teaching the body that there will be regular periods when there is no food. There'll be regular periods when there is no carbohydrate and there will be regular periods where there isn't any protein. And it turns out the body likes fat, but fat doesn't have negative effects on your metabolism if it's the right kind of fat that can be used. This is why you put butter in your coffee instead of corn oil, because they do different things. Now, what you'll find is that if you're doing intermittent fasting, even for 12 hours a day, and people say 12 hours, no, that's not a long time. Have dinner, finish at six, and then it's four hours till bedtime, and then you sleep eight hours, you wake up at 6 a.m., there you did 12 hours. Like It's not that hard. Just don't have a late night snack, sleep, and don't have an early breakfast. And there you go. You did 12 hours. Three times a week, 12 hours a day improves metabolic flexibility in a study out of Australia. And that was in a population of women who have a harder time with metabolic flexibility on average. And what this means is you can do it. So number one is empty stomach for a reasonable period of time each day. And number two, for sometimes for brief periods of time, don't have carbohydrates. So the body says, oh man, I have to burn fat, okay. And you should be ready. And if instead you have carbohydrates every single day or even just excess protein and carbs, the body says, 
it's not important that I can burn fat. And each cell that metabolizes energy, which is the vast majority of the cells in the body, it makes enzymes. And the enzymes can be either good at processing carbs or processing fat. And if you go in ketosis for a month or multiple months, it's why would I make enzymes for something I never eat? And it turns those off and you're not flexible. Now you're fat adapted, but you actually can't handle carbohydrates anymore. You're not flexible. You made yourself weak. If instead you say, I'm only going to eat these other things that are straight up um, carbs all the time, and I eat some carbs every single day all the time, and I don't intermittent fast, since there's always carbs present, why would I ever have fat burning? You're not flexible. But something that works really well has both fat and carbohydrate enzymes, and you can handle either one, and that also allows you to go, you know, today there was no food, I'm okay. I'm not going to die. And you could call me tomorrow and say, Dave, I want you to fast for 24 hours. I'd say, okay, I wouldn't even change my schedule. It wouldn't matter. That's what it's supposed to feel like. I did not know the difference between craving and hunger when I was a young man because I only felt cravings. And once you realize what hunger is, hunger is, you know, it'd be nice to eat in a little while, but if I, if I don't, it's okay. And let's a craving talk. is, if I don't eat, I'll die. Yeah, let's talk about the craving. Uh, let's talk about the difference between craving and hunger. What is your interpretation of craving and hunger and why is it important for us to know the difference? Well, if you eat the wrong stuff, you will experience intense hunger. In fact, most people all the time um, will say that. Uh, they'll, they'll say, man, I'm so hungry, I'm starving. So what do you do? When that happens, you look at what you ate in your last meal and say, huh, there was something in it that wasn't compatible with your biology and your liver or your gut says, how do I get this out of here? Well, I'm going to raise my hand and say, could I have more blood sugar, please? And you use the blood sugar to oxidize the toxins and get them the heck out. Now, prime example here, restaurant owners have figured out, especially the big food companies that supply restaurant owners, keep in mind, I own a couple of restaurants, the Upgrade Cafe in LA and here in Victoria. Um, I don't do this, by the way, but I'd make more money if I did. You add MSG, which is a toxin, to food. <laughs> MSG drives profound food cravings. And you will sell 30% more if you do that. People will buy another soda because they want the sugar, and they'll buy dessert because they want the sugar. So you gave them food that was extra tasty because it had unlabeled MSG in it, and then they got a craving. Right. Well, if you eat at your favorite fast food joint or even non-fast food joint and afterwards, an hour or two later, you're like, where's the sugar? I need a candy. Well, either you have type 2 diabetes or you ate something that caused a craving or both. And kale will cause profound cravings in people. <laughs> um, not everyone, but in many, many people. So you end up saying, how do I sort this out? And that's part of what I, I teach people in the fasting challenge is, hey, uh, Look at how hungry you are. I promise you that even if you think bell peppers are good for you, if every time you eat them, you're ravenous, they're not good for you, right? But they might be good for you. You just don't know. They're a suspect food until proven innocent. So basically, people have to actually figure out what is good for them and what is not good for them. And what is your idea about going about doing that? Um, well, number one is keeping a food journal. Uh, you just write down, what did I eat? And it turns out it's not that hard to do if you simplify. If instead though, you say, well, I'm just going to eat a highly processed food when I break my fast. And then you look at the list of ingredients. Oh, I don't know which one of those caused a craving. Uh, it was probably multiple ones. So I teach people in the Bulletproof Diet, which is my first big book on nutrition. Here's a list of 
suspect foods. These are the ones most likely to cause cravings for people. And there is a chapter in Fast This Way that says, here's the most likely craving causers. And I mentioned the nightshade family is one of them. It turns out beans and legumes and grains for many people are another cause, but not for everyone. And this is where I'd like to say we're all meat robots and we're all made with the same serial number and model. It just doesn't work like that. We have such an elegant mix of genes. We all have different gut bacteria that can change as we eat. But there are some things that are wired into the way your body makes uh, sugars on the surface of cells. If you have those, there's some foods that are not compatible with your biology. And every time you eat them, you're going to get some bloating and you're going to get food cravings and fasting the next morning is going to suck. Wow. That's the, that doesn't sound so pleasant. If I was to play a game with you called do this or don't do that, what would be do this? Um, definitely, um, definitely skip breakfast at least three days a week. Like you have to do that. Um, don't do this. Don't eat after the sun goes down. And why don't we eat after the sun goes down? Does it have anything to do with the circadian rhythms? It has everything to do with the circadian rhythm. The number one thing that sets your circadian rhythm is light exposure. Number two is food timing. And if you line up your light and your food, your health and your metabolic flexibility go through the roof. And that's the chapter in the book about how to not get jet lag and how to reset your circadian timing to become a morning person, even if you're not one naturally. What's your favorite chapter um, in your book that you think people should really take time to read and really focus on? I, I think the chapter that I wrote on women and fasting is the most important chapter in the book because about three quarters of studies on fasting were done on men. Just historically, this is how we used to do it. So in any old study is going to be that way. So this is one where I pulled out all the data specifically for women where we know it to be true uh, and we've we validated it. And I just feel like having that pulled together in that way is really important. Uh, and it's, it's one that hasn't been done before. There isn't a anything written like that. So I, I think that's that's critical because women go through three distinct phases in their lives. There's you know the fertile years, there's perimenopause and there's menopause. And there are nuances for fasting for each one and, and uh, having that all put together in one place I think was important. Does fasting um, affect your estrogen as a woman? It can. Uh, and it more importantly affects your stress hormones. So for men and women, if you over fast, you'll see a decline in all of your sex hormones, right? But it's more importantly, you see that rise in cortisol and then you see a decline in sex hormones. And the fact that it's okay to say, you know, I don't feel good when I fast when I'm menstruating or I feel much better fasting the week before. Different women actually have different responses there. And there's some people online who will be very militant. No, no, you should definitely fast. This is the worst time to fast. The bottom line is that that's after 10 years of people doing intermittent fasting on the Bulletproof Diet. I've heard from enough people that it's not the same for all women, even during the, the fertile years where you're saying, you know, I cannot fast when I'm menstruating because I just, I get low blood pressure, low blood sugar, I don't feel good, right? And someone else, if I eat when I'm, when I'm menstruating, it's the end of the world. It's okay, but just understand there are these distinct phases and your fasting will be different for you during that time. And I, I believe that there's a renaissance in knowledge about women's biology where people can actually talk about that in public uh, that didn't happen even 10, 20 years ago. 
You know how much I love your products and everything that uh, you create in Bulletproof. What is your, uh, what would you say is the product that you would recommend someone that everyone should have at least in their home? If you don't have brain octane oil, which is the form of C8 MCT oil I put together for Bulletproof, uh, you're missing out. You can put a teaspoon or a couple of teaspoons of this stuff. It has no flavor. Uh, you can put it in any food that you're going to have. And the way it metabolizes, it can't be stored as fat, but it tells the body, here's fat you have to burn. Remember that story about metabolic flexibility earlier? Mm-hmm. Even if you have carbohydrates, if you have MCT oil, the body will have some enzymes for burning fat. That seems really important to me. So I love having MCT oil. And for mental clarity, it's amazing. And you can use it, as I describe in the book, you can use it during a fast. Your body still thinks you're fasting, but you don't experience hunger at all the same way. So that's the entry-level drink for fasting. It turns out is either black coffee or black coffee with MCT oil and a little bit of butter. Um, Or you can even add a prebiotic soluble fiber. And your body still thinks you're fasting, but you're totally not thinking about food. So those are kind of advanced hacks to let you get through the day as you're learning to have a flexible metabolism. I love that. Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate that. So how can people um, get, um, get in touch with you? Where can they find your book? How can they get involved in the things that you're doing to create change in this world? Head on over to fastthisway.com to sign up for the fasting challenge. My main website is daveasprey.com. And there you can learn about my neuroscience institute that does the you know, years of meditation in five days. And you can learn about the many different companies I've started and then some that I'm running like Upgrade Labs. Uh, The idea here is my mission is to upgrade humanity and I make companies that build stuff I can't buy (laughs) and it seems to work. That's wonderful. You know, I uh, love everything that you do and I appreciate you so much. And I just want to say it's been wonderful having you here on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast to share your wisdom and your knowledge and to share about your new book. And is there anything that you think the world should know right now that can make our lives easier and more simpler? You know, I'm going to just say it outright. You are unlikely to die whether you get the vaccine or don't get the vaccine. You don't need to make that choice out of fear. Uh, And it is a choice and it's okay to make the choice and it's okay to be kind to someone who sees the world differently than you. I 100% back you 1,000, 1,000%. I believe that very much so. And, you know, I'm still waiting, Dave, for this, uh, what is it? Uh, 30 years of Zen? Is that, is this 40 like, years of 40 Zen. 40 yeah. years. I was more off 10. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to go in there and see what happens when I go in there. Anytime I can get you for five days in Seattle, I will, will hook you up and uh, uh, hopefully unlock some more, uh, some more, at least tighten and tune some of the things that you already know how to do. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, Shaman Durek. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, 
where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results. Who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you. Because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others. Your partner, your children, co-workers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit.